in households that use dishwashers, they're more likely to get atopic conditions like eczema, asthma, things like that, allergies, than households that hand wash their dishes. Mm. And so we think this is all like the hygiene hypothesis, right? Where if we're too clean, we don't have the ability to develop tolerance to multiple things. All right, everyone, thank you for joining the show. As always, taking the time out of your day. What a blessing. I am grateful for your attention and your presence. The show's gonna be good. I get so excited when I get to have one of my best friends on the show. She's been here twice before, this is her third time. And we went through a process of talking specifically just about gut health, probiotics, antibiotics early on. Then we started moving to the mental emotional aspect and now we're just blowing up and asking all questions about how the gut affects your brain. And we're gonna go into what is the physiology behind it, what is the causes of of the disruption between the gut-brain axis. We're gonna talk about how to improve it. What are the things we need to start doing now to have better gut health that is translating to better mental health? Because look, so many of us are suffering with our mental health, especially over the past two and a half years. And it makes sense that so too has suffered our gut health. A lot of time it's bi-directional. It's brain to gut, gut to brain. The signals are going back and forth. So when one suffers, the other one suffers. It's inevitable. It's really hard to have your gut feeling good and your mental feeling not good and vice versa. So Mary's gonna go into the weeds with us and we're coming out with all the golden pots of info for all of you. But before we get into that uh, wonderful interview, I just wanna put out a challenge for everyone, right? So. Uh, I don't often put out challenges on the show. We just jump right into the knowledge bomb, go deep into like uh, any topic that is really pressing for me or that I really believe that is going to be beneficial for you all. But this challenge I want you to do, and you know, it's Monday if you're listening to the show when it's coming out, or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day of the week, but take seven days to do this challenge. I want you all to think about what are the things in your day that are dysregulating you? Now, dysregulation, well, what does that mean? Uh, It's giving me anxiety. No, dysregulation means that, one, you have to understand what your groundwork and framework is. So if you know what your default is, let's do a scale. So what I would say is everyone get a a journal, get a a notepad, and answer these questions. On the daily, out of 10, and 10 being completely out of control, where do you feel? One being super grounded. If, if the worst thing happens that day, you'll feel it, but you can come back to your grounding. Or are you in a tornado as soon as you wake up till the end of the day? And be honest with yourself, because when you bring honesty to your default, what is your default mode here? You'll be able to truly see the things in your life that are dysregulating you. So first and foremost, ask yourself that question. See where your grounding is. And let's work from there. So when it comes to dysregulation, these are the things in your life, and it's not the same for everyone. We are all different people biochemically. Uh, We handle stress differently. We have different receptors to ourselves for stress. We have different life experiences. We have different dramas, different stories that are navigating our subconscious different communities, different locations. We're very different people, but 
inevitably there's going to be things that affect your nervous system piece, right? So if your default, let's say, is a five, you find when you wake up, you feel grounded, but it, 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 half the time you're going to be dysregulated, meaning that it's going to push you away from your grounding. It's going to push your nervous system to an activation where you're beginning to manifest in the way that is personified for you. So for me, for example, it takes a lot because I have a lot of resilience. I would say I'm a three. A lot of resilience, right? I wake up, I'm pretty grounded. And it takes a lot of emotional push, emotional force, emotional drive, or situational push or some situational drive to really dysregulate me. But when it does, I begin to feel overwhelmed. And that's when I'm pushed from a five to an eight in that moment. So ask yourself, first, what are the things, let's identify, what are the things in your day that really dysregulate you? Is it emotional pressures that dysregulate you? Is it work? Is it deadlines? Is it partnership? Is there something about your partner that dysregulates you all the time? Is it a relationship with yourself? Is it family that dysregulates you? The more that you can identify your specific list to you, the more that you can see on paper what are the triggers for you. And if you have this, it's really empowering because when these things come up, then you can feel into your body how's it going to manifest for you. So if you have this list, and let's say family is on there, and you have a really tumultuous relationship with a sister, and she calls you once a month, and every time she says, hey, can you talk later, I'm going to call, you feel that you're, when you're at a five or six or four, you go to a ten. Bring awareness to what happens in your body because now you're starting to connect the trigger into the manifestation in the body. Now, this is a very important bridge because when you connect both, you are empowered to change it. So see, when that instance pops up, you know, you've already created a list, what happens in your body? Now it can manifest as anything. It can manifest as you with shortness of breathing. All of a sudden, you're not hungry anymore. All of a sudden, you feel like you have to go to the bathroom. All of a sudden, your muscles are tight. All of a sudden, your mind starts worrying or fixating, or all of a sudden, you start running away and looking for other things to distract you. Look at all of the mental and physical connections when the trigger happens. Write those out. So now you have three pages. You have, well, two and a half. You have your scale. You've identified where you stand on a default mode, right? You've identified what the triggers are on all components of your life and all facets. And now you've identified how it looks in your body. Now you have all the information you need. Now you understand what dysregulates your nervous system. When the moments come, because now you know what happens in your body, when the moments come when those triggers inevitably happen again, right? Especially if they're in work, it's gonna happen again. If they're with family, it's gonna happen again. If they're in partnership, it's gonna happen again. The step the most empowering step to take is to create space between the trigger now, because you know what happens in your body, the trigger and the manifestation in your body. So when the trigger happens, after all this knowledge, you'll start feeling it in your body. But now you're empowered to know, okay, I know that this trigger manifests as shortness of breath. I know this trigger manifests as me looking for to distract myself. Now you can intervene. You can take breaths. You can create space. So when you feel that trigger, 
and you, you got the list on you and you've identified it because you're so good at this, take your, take your moment, be alone, right? Go into your car if you're at work. If you're with a partner, go on a walk. If you're alone, sit down and do some box breathing, right? Takes three seconds to breathe in and then hold your breath for three seconds, then breathe out for three seconds, then hold your breath again for three seconds. Now do this 10 times. What's gonna happen is you're gonna start creating space between the trigger and how it's affecting your body. And now, now you have the awareness. With the space, you can see the trigger from the perspective of the bird's eye view. And you go, okay, okay, this is the trigger. I know how it affects my body. I'm gonna breathe. Create that space with breath. Literally the cheapest thing you can do with breath. And then you get to step into a place of empowerment because now, when you find yourself starting to fixate or distract, you breathe and then you go, okay, I know now if I'm gonna distract myself, I know now I'm gonna fixate, I know now that my stomach is gonna start contracting and not feel good, and then you can change it just with breath. So the practice, again, make the list, find out where you stand on your default, write out all of the triggers, really think about that one, write out all your triggers, the things that are really affecting you, Right? Identify how, when the triggers inevitably come up, how it affects you in the body. And then the fourth is to create space and breathe. Watch how your life changes because you will, you will inevitably react differently to the very things that are always going to pop up. And then you become empowered because now you're walking through your day, not with armor on, with armor off, but you're elevating yourself, you're expressing yourself, you're expanding yourself as a more empowered being, which changes the face of yourself and how you relate to other people. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them. And they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed 
to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trefalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. All right, I'm so excited to get one of my best friends on this show, Dr. Mary Pardee. She's a naturopathic doctor. She's a functional, integrative, gut health, master guru. Uh, she's my resource for all things gut healing. And I'm excited to talk to her today about all things microbiome and how it's implicated in our overall health. You know, I've been talking a lot lately about mental health, depression, anxiety, and we're gonna learn how it's connected to the gut. So without further ado, my most bestest friend in the world, Doc Mary. Aww. Welcome to the show for what, the third time? Yeah, I'm just remembering the first time I was on here, we had just met pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it was like very formal and boring. <laughs> I thought it was good. I thought it was good too. <laughs> sure. We had, no, we had a great conversation. You and Aaron Alexander are the, the tied for the three most appearances oh on the show. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. A Aaron I sort of weaseled that. his way in here. I invited you in. Yeah, uh, listen, I wore if, shoes. Aaron doesn't wear and shoes. And you wear shoes, so. and exactly, big difference. But. <laughs> and Aaron, is, he's a little kooky, but he's, he's, a, he's brilliant at what he does. <laughs> and so are you. Ooh, <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm so excited uh, to have you on. I, I, I wasn't lying. All things, anytime our friend group asked me about gut health, I was like, defer to Mary. She knows the latest research, and you always do. Mm. And it's amazing stuff. Um, but Every show we come here, when we're talking, we talk about microbiome. Yeah. Um, but I want to really connect it to mental health, which we're going to talk about later. But uh, for those viewers and listeners who don't know what the microbiome is, yeah. when it's formed, what helps it form, what disrupts it, can you give us a little insight on, down that road? Yeah, let's go in. Okay. Um, so I love to use the analogy about a forest. So I want to go into that because it makes it a little bit more tangible. But our gut microbiome is a collection of bacteria, fungi, viruses, um, protozoa that reside in our gut. We have about 100 trillion microbes, mm, which isn't even cells. conceivable, really. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't even know what 100 trillion looks like. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of microbes, 10 times the number of human cells that we have. Um, the cooler part in my mind is the genetic composition. So we have about 20,000 human genes that make up our proteins that form our hormones and things like that. We have 20 million microbial genes. Mm. 20,000 versus 20 million. Versus 20 million, yeah. So we're 99% microbial from a genetic standpoint and 1% human, which is insane. And those genes make things for us, and our microbial genes and our human genes can both make things for us. Um, from a time perspective, you know, humans have been around for about 
Homo sapiens for about 300,000 years. The Earth has been around for 4.5 billion years. Microbes have been around for 3 billion years. Whoa. And so, you know, like 67% of the time, microbes have been here. 0.0067% of the time, humans have been here. So these guys are like way older than us. There's so much wisdom in them. And mm. we really need to start thinking about us and our microbes as a collection, which is the holobiont, which is us and our, our microbes, because they're really part of us. Mm -hmm. um, when we think about the forest analogy, you know, you have different kinds of forests, right? You have like the Arctic tundra, you've got rainforests, you have the redwoods, like all these look very, very different. And just like that in our human body, we have the ear microbiome, we have the nasal microbiome, we have the uterine microbiome, we have the vaginal microbiome, we have the gut microbiome. They all look very different, but they're still forests, they're still ecosystems. And then within the forest, we have trees. Um, those trees produce oxygen, they take in our CO2, right? So we have a symbiotic relationship that happens in nature. Um, just like that, we have it in our gut too. So we have our microbes that take in the fiber that we can't digest, and they produce metabolites for us that help us communicate with different cells in the body, help us produce things, neurotransmitters. Um, so we have this symbiotic relationship that we really see in nature a lot too. Now, one of the questions you just said is like, what happens when it's disrupted? Like what happens when there's a forest fire? Like it wipes out all of the trees, the plants, um, the ecosystem. And just like that, like when we take broad spectrum antibiotics or even PPIs, things that can disrupt the ecosystem, it can wipe out the gut microbiome. And so will it regrow? Yes, it definitely will regrow. But will it regrow differently? Probably. Just like um, if a forest fire comes in, sometimes more invasive species overgrow because they have the chance, because they don't have the competitive um, nature of the environment anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely things like antibiotics that can affect it. We're really resilient, and so we will bounce back. But broad-spectrum antibiotics over you know, months and months can really wreak havoc on your gut microbiome. And they, and they target diversity, which is the biggest factor of the microbiome. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about what makes a good microbiome, diversity is like one of the biggest things, which is, you know, in that forest, how many different species of trees do you have? How many different species of monkeys do you have? How mm -hmm. many different birds do you have? Like that is diversity. And we want that same um, diversity to be in our gut microbiome too, for just general health. Mm. Um, so what, like, when does it form? It forms when we're in the amniotic sac in our mother. And so we used to think the amniotic sac was sterile, and it's definitely not. There's microbes actually in that amniotic sac. And then it's going to be changed by whether we have a vaginal birth or a C-section. So we know that that changes the gut microbiome based on which one we go through. And then the next factor is breastfeeding versus formula fed, too. Um, although there's an interesting study that I just read that Moms who are stressed during pregnancy actually have babies with lower levels of bifidobacterium. Mm. And so bifidobacterium, you know, produces B vitamins for us. It helps us produce other metabolites as well. Um, but stress with mom before you're even born can affect your microbiome. Um, mom, if she's exposed to a bunch of different species of animals while she's pregnant, her baby is less likely to have eczema and asthma. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of this stuff happens actually before you're, you're even born. And then when, you, when you're born, formula-fed versus breastfed. 
And some women don't have the option here. So there's no like shame, there's no shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that you have different microbiomes that form the first few weeks of life are like really crucial to forming the microbiome. And so breast, breast milk has human milk oligosaccharides. These are like these prebiotics that we can't digest. The babies can't digest themselves, but their bacteria can. So it changes which bacteria are actually there. And human milk oligosaccharides aren't found in formula. So, you know, you really want those in the breast milk if you can get it for your, for your kid. It helps reduce IL-6, which is an inflammatory cytokine. It helps increase secretory IgA, which is really protective to the gut lining too. Um, <clears throat> and then after you're breastfed, when you start eating adult food, that's when the microbiome shifts into your adult microbiome. So that's where mm. we see you kind of go into what an adult microbiome looks like. Mm. So when you are just born, right? And you mm -hmm. said the first three weeks are so important. Mm -hmm. Does that leak into your adult microbiome or can you, can we miss those three weeks in really feeding the baby and, and helping build those uh, precursors to a good microbiome? And then once it's fed, uh, the baby starts eating better or is that going to predetermine a better adult gut health? Or are those first three weeks before they're eating food and breastfeeding, is that most important? Yeah, the first few weeks are really crucial for the mm. microbiome formation. It doesn't mean that you're screwed um, in the first few weeks mm. if, if something goes wrong or you can't be breastfed or anything like that. You can definitely be healthy. Um, but we do know those, like, those first inoculation steps definitely start to seed the microbiome. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of the change happens once you start eating adult food. So I think that you probably can rebound. But some of the stuff we don't know, we're still exploring. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned eczema. And what was it? Was it asthma? Asthma, yeah. Like the atopic conditions mm -hmm. with um, women who are exposed to multiple species of animals while they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. Okay, what are some products or things that we have at home that can really disrupt our gut microbiome? In households that use dishwashers, they're more likely to get atopic conditions like eczema, asthma, things like that, allergies, than households that hand wash their dishes. Hmm. And so we think this is all like the hygiene hypothesis, right? Where if we're too clean, we don't have the ability to develop tolerance to multiple things. And so our, our immune system has to learn somehow, right? Mm -hmm. And it learns through tolerance. So it's exposed to an antigen and then it says, nope, that's not me that's something else and I will attack it versus, oh, this is my human cell, so I don't want to attack that. And so that's how we develop tolerance to things. And eczema, asthma, these are a hyper-excitation of the immune system, right? Where they're reacting when they shouldn't be reacting to things. And so we don't want an environment that's too clean because we want our immune system to constantly learn, especially when we're little. Hmm. And so, yeah, we, we, we just hand washing your dishes so that there are some germs on it can be really, really beneficial. Going to the farmer's market, so like some of your veggies have a little bit of dirt on them still, you mm -hmm. know, same kind of idea. Mm, which makes sense because um, so many, I mean, if you even look at this, I was, we had uh, this guy, Rodney Habib, and he is so, like he is the leading voice when it comes to animal health, especially mm. pets, dogs, and cats. And he was talking about a study that Dogs raised on farms live longer, mm -hmm. right? They have less disease that they deal with, right? Mm. Because they're exposed to all of these different antigens all yeah. day, every day, since they're puppies versus dogs in cities. Oh, that's fascinating. And we're so close Humans to dogs. Are the same. I know, and so we're Humans so close to same. dogs, which makes so much sense. So, mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that you mentioned is antibiotics, and a lot of us uh, pique so much interest because yeah. so many of us, I included as a child, had 
persistent ear infections, mm-hmm. right? Probably mm-hmm. because of the stuff that I was eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I went on a few rounds. And then when I was a young adult, strep throat, I went on a few rounds, like once a year, twice a year. Yeah. How, I know it, it, it depends on the type of antibiotic, but how much is too much and how often is too often of the antibiotic to start causing real disruption to our resilient gut microbiome? Yeah, yeah. And we don't have an exact answer to this, but what I tell people is that you don't want to do more than you need to. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focus. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and healthspan is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open. And I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. 
Mementos creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Mementos third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. And so antibiotics are life-saving. Like we should be so grateful that we have these things. We really, really need them, but we should reserve them for when we really need them. So the amount of, you know, viral infections that get misprescribed, misdiagnosed and put on antibiotics is pretty astounding. And so we want to make sure that you have a bacterial infection that's not going to resolve on its own. Um, and that's when we want to use an antibiotic they can be really useful in those instances. If you have a viral infection, antibiotics don't do anything. And so we don't want to just jump to it, mm-hmm. say, oh, it's day one. I don't feel good. I'm going to put, go on a pack or something like that. Um, so you want to make sure it's a bacterial infection and that it won't resolve on its own. And then that's when the antibiotic is necessary. Mm. So you got to talk to your doctor about that and see, like, is it necessary? Is it not necessary? And, and just do case by case. Mm-hmm. The less, the better but you don't want to have a life-threatening bacterial infection that you don't treat with antibiotics either. Mm. And very good information because uh, there's a spectrum where they're like, never antibiotics because I don't want to disrupt my gut, uh, whereas they can get really sick from yeah, bacteria. Yeah, of course. But you should mentioned be using science, to... like mm-hmm. how it's meant to be used. Mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about breast milk, the prebiotic, mm-hmm. oligosaccharides, and how they're helping our microbiome build. And then let's say mom or dad are listening right now and they go, hey, look, my kid is just getting off breast milk right now, starting to eat food. Are there certain foods that we introduce to a child early on that are really pivotal in this really essential time for gut microbiome seeding or growth? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, what, what are those foods? Yeah, yeah. I don't know a ton about pediatrics, but um, just from the gut perspective, you want to try as many foods as possible with your kid. And so I think, you know, kids can be really picky. And, you know, I, some of my favorite videos are like watching infants try foods, right? Because <laughs> the faces they make yeah. are so adorable. Um, but you want to try different varieties. So like if they love squash, then try different varieties of squash because those are all going to have different fiber contents, different polyphenols. So polyphenols are what make our food different colors. And those are prebiotics for our gut microbes too. So they actually seed the, the gut microbiome that way too. Um, so mostly plants for kids and adults, but mm-hmm. just a ton of variety of different plants and then a, diver- a diversity of just different foods in general. So fruits, veggies, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just trying little bits here and there and see what they like. I think you'd be surprised by like what kids will actually consume. Yeah, I, I find once you introduce these foods early on, their palates get used to it because there's so many picky, you know, young, you know, like nine, 10 year olds will mm-hmm. say, who, who don't want to touch vegetables, Yeah. right? That's because they've been eating processed food since they were five, six, four, five, six, you it's know? It's hard to switch back for sure. So if you mm-hmm. start with whole foods, I think it's probably easier. We'll wait to see when we're parents because we might be watching this later and be like, we were so wrong. Right, we, we were so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> New study shows Triscuits essential for bifidobacterium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's going to say. Um, but kids are fun too. So you could like make it a game that you have 
the goal of having every color of the rainbow during yeah. the week, you mm -hmm. know, and say, okay, do we have our purple vegetables today? Do we have our mm -hmm. green ones, our red ones, our yellow ones, orange ones? And so that's a great way to get diversity in through that. What I found back when I was in school, we used to go to like as outreach elementary uh, schools locally, and we would do, uh, we would have superheroes for each color of the rainbow. Cute. Right? So I'm like, well, blue really gives you a big, strong, healthy heart. So mm. you can do all of these activities. And this orange one, you're going to have laser beam eyes. You can see from far away. Yeah. And they're like, laser beams. Yeah, and I was like, so yeah, cute. more orange. <laughs> and then we give them like cut up and they're like eating them. And they're like, wow, I feel stronger. That's but, awesome. you know, that's the way to do it. Utilizing yeah, it fun. colors and, and just, you know, kids always want to mm -hmm. be like. So yeah. I think that that was a super cool tip. I always held it in the back of my head until I have children. Yeah. Um, super, Superman um, vegetables. Superman vegetables. I like that. D but diversity. I, we had uh, Will Bolsowitz recently mm -hmm. here, and he was talking about the importance of fiber and diversity in plants. And is it that the diversity in plants add different constituents that one doesn't and the other one does? Um, is it all fiber across the board that is, you know, the, the, the string that connects them all? What is it that the diversity gives to our gut microbiome? Yeah, great question. And so it's going to be a few different things. It's going to be the composition of the actual food, so the different nutrients that it has as well. Um, the fiber is the big piece of soluble and insoluble fiber that we can't digest, our microbes digest for us. And so we want to give them the food because it is that symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. So we give them something, they give us something. And then it's the, the polyphenols, the antioxidants too. And so different polyphenols are found in different vegetables and those are different fuel sources for different microbes. Mm. Um, so it's going to be all of those things, but also the, you know, vitamins, minerals too that they, they have. So we're just, it's a, it's a, that's a relationship. You scratch my back, Mr. Microbiome, mm -hmm. Miss Microbiome, you, yeah. you, I'll scratch yours, Absolutely. you know? And then my, my thought is, which I don't know this, is that if you go to the farmer's market especially and there's... Um, you know, like a little bit of dirt on them or something like that. But they also, I'm guessing that vegetables house different bacteria mm -hmm. just because of their contents, right? Mm -hmm. Like, was their skin waxy or is it really thin? And so different bacteria may be on different vegetables, which then you may consume and get the benefits from too. So should we be watch, washing our, our produce uh, yes. really Still deeply? Or are we supposed to... Just chew on a little dirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it depends where you're getting it. So if you know it's an organic farm and you know the farmer, mm. um, I, I rinse all of my stuff. I don't bleach it. I don't scrub mm. it. Um, I really just rinse it with water, and I think it's good to go there. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you grow your own vegetables at home, then picking them and eating them and knowing that you know uh, they're good, I think that's a great idea. That's the dream. For people like us in L.A., we got to wait yeah. to get a backyard. Yeah, I know. You, you know, whenever that happens or, or wherever that is. But yeah, that's my dream to be able to pick out a radish. Yeah. You know, we have a mutual friend. She made me a salad once and it was straight. Everything was straight from the garden mm -hmm. like like 20 minutes ago. And it hit so much different than a salad mm. from even like the local grocery store here. Yeah. I felt good. I yeah. felt strong. And my gut yeah. was celebrating. Um, <laughs> What is it that they give back to us, our gut microbiome, when we feed them? How are they scratching our back? The gut microbiome produces metabolites. And so these are like, you know, just like the tree produces oxygen for us to consume, then our gut microbes produce different neuropeptides and things like that. And so a few of the things that it, they produce are things like tryptophan. So tryptophan is largely influenced by our gut microbiome. 
It's an amino acid, right? And it's the precursor to serotonin and melatonin. Um, so, you know, a lot of the tryptophan that's being produced is because of the gut microbes that we have. Mm. Um, people say, right, you've heard the quote, like 90% of the serotonin is produced in your gut. Mm -hmm. The serotonin produced in our gut is produced by interchromaffin cells in the gut. And um, it can't cross the blood-brain barrier. So the serotonin in your gut really is focused on motility of the GI system, so like movement mm -hmm. of the GI tract, also like heart contractions, heart rate. Mm -hmm. um, serotonin does things all throughout your body. It doesn't always go for your mental health, happiness. Right. What we do see is that, you know, the serotonin can potentially talk to your afferent nerves, which are the nerves that go up to the brain, and maybe communicate with your, your mood that way, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, but the tryptophan that we produce in around, you know, because of the gut microbiome, can cross the blood-brain barrier and go into the brain, be converted to serotonin, mm -hmm. that gets converted to melatonin, melatonin yeah. too. So we, you know, happiness, feeling good, reduced anxiety, all from the serotonin, and then melatonin helps you fall asleep at night too. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really important that the tryptophan is getting pushed around by the gut microbiome there. Um, there was a study looking at germ-free mice, which is one of the best ways to think about, like, what does the microbiome do? So when we say germ-free mice, we mean these mice have been wiped of all of their microbes. So they don't have any gut microbiome. And so we look at them and we see that in germ-free mice, they're producing about 60% less of this tryptophan or the serotonin from their the cells in their gut. And so we really think like that serotonin production is also largely due to the gut microbes that we have, mm -hmm. which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So tryptophan, like the serotonin connection, BDNF is influenced by the gut microbiome too. That's brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And this one's really important in mental health because, you know, in mental health, we talk about all the time making new habits or changing our perspective, changing the way we think. Um, all of this stuff requires new neuronal connections in the brain. So if you've been depressed for four years, your brain is on a circuit of depression, right? Thoughts, actions, mm -hmm. habits, mm -hmm. behaviors. It becomes like overdrive that you're really ingrained in this pathway. And so BDNF helps you create new neuronal connections, new pathways that could lead to new behaviors that could reinforce positive changes or positive thoughts or, you know, different things that can help get you out of that too. So BDNF um, is, is driven by your gut microbiome in part. So having a healthy gut could help your mental health in that way, which is fascinating. Yeah, listen, I can attest. Anytime my gut's off, my mm -hmm. mood's off. Yeah. It is, it, in, it's, I noticed this years ago, but it is like a direct mirror. Yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah. anytime I don't feel bloated and I don't feel heartburn and my, my gut is just, I can eat anything. Yeah. Oh, I just happen to be way happier that day. Yeah. It is. And before, like I started hearing about the connection, I was like, I feel like when my stomach hurts, my brain hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, and, and But now we're starting to understand what some of the mechanism and, mm -hmm. and, and molecules that are affecting us. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool that, you know, in essence, like for us to feel better mood-wise and in our bodies, all we got to do is just feed feed those buggers in our gut, mm -hmm. and then they'll 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 send out us send us out a celebration of molecules that yeah that'll make us feel better. They can definitely they can definitely help us and sleep sure. better and sleep better right which makes us feel which better. makes us feel better. <laughs> it, it's it's the craziest cycle. Yeah. All right, so 
Um, what are some of your top foods for feeding those buggers? What are, what are some of the best things out there? Yeah. People viewing and listening, they go, okay, I get to the supermarket right now after this podcast or while listening to the podcast and get these. Cool, yeah. Um, foods high in prebiotic fibers. So those are going to be like your Jerusalem artichokes, onions. Those are two of my favorites for prebiotic fibers. Mm -hmm. Mushrooms, things like that. Um, and then you also want just foods high in fiber in general. So like all of your non-starchy vegetables as well as your starchy vegetables. Things like sweet potatoes, yams, cucumbers. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> ginger is one of my favorites. So ginger has molecules that reduce, you know, cox and lox enzymes, which are inflammatory pathways. Um, it also helps speed up motility in the gut, which can really help prevent any dysbiosis or overgrowth of bacteria there. Mm -hmm. Ginger's a prokinetic in that way. It's one of my favorites for gut health. Um, and then your demulcents too. So demulcents in naturopathic medicine are things that like are almost mucinolaginous, where they provide like a film, a barrier. Um, they soothe the tissue. So things like slippery elm, marshmallow root, mm -hmm. um, even aloe as well, um, can help soothe the GI tract and protect our lining because intestinal permeability can definitely affect your mental health because things can cross over. LPS from gram-negative bacteria is really implemented mm -hmm. in leaky gut, and that can definitely affect our mental health. So mm. things that protect it, like like those herbs that I mentioned. Mm. I love them all. You love Except I'll tell you right now, Jerusalem artichoke, one little knuckle of it, and I'm gassy for three days. Yeah, so you have to be careful if you're predisposed to small intestinal bacterial overgrowth mm -hmm. or IBS, where the fibers can exacerbate things. Mm -hmm. When you have someone getting on a, a higher fiber diet, do you have them just jumping into it or mm -mm. slowly moving into it? Slow. And why? Why? What's what's the point of doing it slow? Does, our, does it have to accommodate? Does it grow slowly? What is that? Yeah, I mean, it's like what you said. So if you get exacerbated by a little Jerusalem artichoke, then we don't want to start there. We want to start like really small mm -hmm. and so that you get used to it and then maybe add some prokinetics so that we're flushing things out to tons of water. Mm -hmm. um, but go really, really slow and gradually increase the amount yeah. of fiber over days so that you're not feeling the GI distress, which is not fun. Well, that's what I find when people are like on a standard American diet Mm -hmm. Or even like on, let's say, carnivore diet, and they go, now I'm going to be vegan. Mm. And literally in two days, they're eating 40 grams more of fiber than they were Too eating. Much. And they're like, I can't do vegan. I get yeah. bloated, and I heartburn, and I constipated, and yeah. also diarrhea. And yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, take go it slow. easy. Go slow. Start low, go slow. Start low, go slow. Yeah. Um, what, what I have found that helps, really helps, is I have a, a jar of sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. And before every meal, I'll take a tablespoon, eat it, chew it, put it back in. Yeah, and I didn't say that. That's another great food for your gut. It, it helps so much for me. Mm -hmm. I find uh, about a week of doing that, it's already better. By two weeks, my gut is back to being optimal. Beautiful. When I don't do it, it's back to just like, it, my mm -hmm. body is just like more sauerkraut, you know? Yeah, fermented foods are great. Sauerkraut, kimchi is one of my favorites. I love kimchi. Kimchi is a nice one. Um, and I like kefir. Coconut, mm -hmm. coconut kefir for me is mm -hmm. is really good, and um, we had the fermenting fairy. I love uh, that. Uh, you, you know, yeah, right? she and she products. was talking about that being her one of her favorite ones. That and sauerkraut are like really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so w we we mentioned a little bit about uh, tryptophan, mm -hmm. serotonin, which a lot of people are familiar with, and melatonin, which which a lot of people are familiar with, especially in the context of taking it and going to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, the gut and the brain are connected. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned about nerves, afferent mm -hmm. nerves maybe. Mm -hmm. um, well, what what's the nerve that connects the gut and the brain? And and how is it that when we when our gut 
I mentioned before for me, when my gut is crappy, my brain is crappy. Yeah. What's happening? Is there inflammatory molecules overtaking my gut, going to the nerve? How is this happening? And what's yeah. happening in my brain when I'm not eating that sauerkraut and I'm just eating on the go? For sure. You know, like healthy but packaged foods and it's just not serving me. What's going on in my body? Whew. Big question. Big question, but we got to know. We got time. Okay. We have time. Um, the gut and the brain are connected through a variety of different ways. So one of the ways is composition. Like who's actually in your gut can affect your brain health. Um, and so, you know, we can go into that, but there's different species that can actually affect your mental health. Um, <clears throat> the other way is through the actual vagus nerve is a direct connection between the gut and the brain. And so the vagus nerve innervates everything from the mouth to the lower part of the colon. And that is a bi-directional communication, which means that your brain health affects your gut health through the vagus nerve and your gut health affects your brain health through the vagus nerve. And we see that. So, you know, there's an example that I like to give social isolation, um, which we should be familiar with right now. So social isolation increases the chances that somebody may develop inflammatory bowel disease, um, you know, Adverse childhood events specifically increase the likelihood that somebody could experience inflammatory bowel disease. And so, you know, we look at that communication, but then we also can look at the flip side where if you give a rat inflammatory bowel disease, that rat is likely to have an increase in activation of the amygdala, which is the fear center of the brain. Okay, and so the fear center of the brain increases anxiety, hypervigilance, feeling like you're not safe. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s, and, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there, and a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Puri is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Puri.com. Use my promo code DRG, that's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Puri. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century-old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha 
not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick. Yeah, okay. But for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting and antioxidant benefits, the phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently. And the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see, I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up. So easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash drg you're going to get 15 percent off plus all those freebies and so we see how you know both adverse childhood events things that happen that affect our mental health can actually affect our gut health mm. um, and then the other way around too and so that's you know that vagus nerve connection where it's it is bi-directional for sure and then we talked about the metabolites so those metabolites are a way that our gut and brain are connected indirectly where you know, you produce butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid from the fiber that you consume. Butyrate crosses the gut barrier, goes into our bloodstream, circulates, and actually can reduce NF-kappa-beta. NF-kappa-beta is an inflammatory mo molecule, also involved in ulcerative colitis and mm -hmm. Crohn's disease. Um, but NF-kappa-beta in the brain, you know, and just inflammation in general in the brain can increase the risk for depression. Mm -hmm. And so we can see that communication too, where it's a little indirect through the bloodstream up into the brain. Mm. Um, and so we have all of these different ways that our gut and brain are connected. And, and then the other big one is the immune system. So that's a way to communicate things from the gut to the brain directly. Um, about 70% of our immune system resides around the gut, the gut-associated lymphoid tissue. And that is going to affect inflammatory cytokines for sure. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, inflammatory cytokines and depression and anxiety are definitely related because mm -hmm. of neuroinflammation and its effect on our mood. Powerful. Super powerful. Powerful. You, you just mentioned four ways mm -hmm. which our gut is affecting our brain health and vice versa, brain health to gut health. Mm -hmm. Now, I imagine uh, a child who has uh, an adverse event who also has a really crappy diet growing yeah. up and then more adverse events and more crappy diet through the years, how both the brain and the gut are communica communicating yeah. in a way that is inflaming the other, inflaming the other, inflaming yeah. the other. And then once they finally start eating healthy at 20 years old, they're like, what's going on? Yeah. Right, because I have IBS, IBD, my gut's a mess, my brain's and my mental health's a mess. Yeah, it, it, really, it can spiral. It can spiral. And it sounds to me that early on, it's really a pivotal time for all the parents listening. Super, super important. Yeah, the social isolation one I was going to mention was um, if you have animals that are socially isolated, then they're more likely to develop ulcers in their gut, hmm. um, which I think is fascinating. Like they, they need human or animal connection. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, we have to be thinking about all of it when we're thinking about the gut. Somebody comes in with gastritis, like, you know, a conventional gastroenterologist may not say like, have you seen people right. recently? Like, what's your friend group like? Right. Um, and it seems like that's a question we should be asking if there's a lot of inflammation in the GI tract, because if it can happen to animals, there's no reason why it can't happen to us. It's just incredible to think what what no doctor ever in my life when I was a kid has ever said, what's your friend group like? Mm -hmm. And I, and I'll tell you right now, I've had uh, IBS uh, diagnosis in 2007, uh, colonoscopies, endoscopies, yeah, they go, and nothing you could do, just you're stressed about school. I go, okay, 
what else? Mm -hmm. You know, like what am I, you know, I have, I'm on heartburn medication. My, my stomach's bloated. It was, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but now I think as we're expanding and understanding the research, hopefully more uh, holistic questions are asked yeah. that have to do with our mental health also. In, those, in, the, in the four parts of where you talked about the gut and the brain being connected, mm -hmm. you mentioned about composition or the constitution yeah. of the gut. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so who's in your gut? Like which strains of bacteria are actually in your gut? So this is like, you know, looking at like which types of trees are in, in the forest and hopefully you have a bunch of different ones there. Um, but there's been a lot of studies, a lot of them are animal studies still, but there was a mice study that looked at, you know, giving them lactobacillus rhamnosus, a strain of bacteria, um, reduced anxiety and depression in the mice. Mm -hmm. And so that one's actually really interesting where that study, they gave them the lactobacillus rhamnosus, anxiety and depression reduced. They did a vagotomy, so they cut the vagus nerve. And what they noticed is that, that it no longer had the effect. Mm. And so if you, if you breach the communication between the gut and the brain through the vagus nerve, you really diminish the effects that you may get when that's established. And so mm. that's showing that in that instance, the lactobacillus rhamnosus was communicating with the brain through the vagus nerve to reduce anxiety and depression. Um, and then there's been strains like, um, I think it's Bifidobacterium longum in humans reduces anxiety as mm. well. Um, to be totally honest, clinically, I've tried some probiotics for anxiety and depression. I haven't gotten great results with uh -huh. them. But I don't think that we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think we need to figure out, okay, wh what amount do we have to give? Is it more about, you know, strengthening the microbiome and giving those things, but also getting rid of some things too to yeah. get the effect? So it's, it's complex. And, and are those probiotics added into a diet that's already high in prebiotic Right, do they have fuel sources too? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, there's a lot of different factors. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen so many companies saying, this probiotic is the best for anxiety out there. This one's the best for depression. Mm -hmm. and, and they probably have those species that are found in the literature, but it's, it's good to hear someone in clinically saying, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. We're kind of just getting started on it. We're getting started. Right? Yeah, and I think we need to ask bigger questions. So is anxiety and depression always going to be due to your gut microbiome? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. So as clinicians, we should be really trying to figure out like how likely is it that the gut microbiome is the main driving factor or just a small piece? Mm. You know, like it, it would be totally different if two people come into my office and one of them is has a great friend group, you know, has a supportive significant other, has a great job that they're passionate about. Like it feels like all the boxes are, are checked and they have diarrhea. And so maybe that person is more likely to respond to a probiotic for their anxiety than somebody that comes in who is socially isolated, hates their job, um, works 90 hours a week, isn't sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. That person I'm more likely to say, okay, there's so many other factors that may be contributing to your anxiety that mm. we should check off first um, before giving lactobacillus rhamnosus. Way more complex than yeah. come to my office, take this probiotic, yeah. your gut's going to be better, and guess what? Your brain's going to be better too. Yes. It's mm -hmm. a piece of the puzzle that we should definitely be addressing, but maybe not the whole. Yeah. And I wonder in general how much mental health is coming from poor gut health mm -hmm. or other factors. Maybe yeah. maybe it's 80%, maybe it's 10%. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we'll learn over the years even more as yeah. more research comes out. Vagus nerve, you mentioned that as one of the important connectors. Um, what what affects our vagus nerve? Is, is, are there certain things that really disrupt the health of our vagus nerve? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are we? Should we be doing things to support our vagus nerve? Is the strong? Let's say even if the gut health is poor, what if we have a strong vagus nerve? Is that going to overcompensate? Like how how do we approach vagal nerve health? Because I've seen that some many sure. places. Sure. Um, so our vagus nerve is you know, it's crucial to our gut health. What I've seen be most effective in clinical practice is walking for the vagus nerve. Mm. So walking induces a parasympathetic state more so than a sympathetic state, which means rest and digest. And so the parasympathetic system is all about calming down but supporting digestion. So if a tiger comes into the room, the last thing that you want to do is eat a burger and have a shake. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be running away. So when you go into fight or flight, your body does not prioritize digestion at all, nor should it. And so if we are walking after a meal, it actually helps us digest our food because it keeps us in that parasympathetic rest and digest state. Um, it also helps with just like the actual impact of your feet to the ground to actually move the food too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I've seen hands down be the most effective thing there. You can do some calming breath work too to calm down that the parasympathetic system, um, meditation as well. Um, we talk about vagal nerve stimulation which I'm really interested about. There's a device now that you can put behind your ear that's supposed to stimulate the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. I've had one patient try it. Um, she said that it. she thought it did help a little bit for her, but haven't had enough people to actually make any claims about it. But that's, that's an exciting option there. And then in um, you know some conferences, we've had uh, speakers talk about vagal nerve stimulation through gargling, mm-hmm. singing, mm-hmm. Um, even um, like gagging yourself, a yeah. gag reflex in, induces a vagal nerve activation. And I used to prescribe those things to my patients when I was first practicing, and nobody got results, so I, I ditched them. Um, I agree. I, I sing Elvis every morning, and I gag myself with my toothbrush every morning, <laughs> and it does nothing for my <laughs> gut health. For your gut health. <laughs> so things in theory can do something, Um, But if time over time, like you're just disproving it's not working, then you need to get rid of it. So there's, you know, there's the the theory of something and that it may actually work for some people, but I haven't seen that be effective. Walking I've seen be really effective. Mm -hmm. Um, I think singing is effective just because it puts you in a better mood. Yeah. You know, you can't be like, unless you're singing a really sad song. Like melancholy Elvis music. Yeah, I I do that every morning. (laughs) But that's good because the emotion comes out. And then I go for a walk and then I'm happy and I sing happy songs. Okay, yeah. Um, But I agree, actually, I I know you're a big proponent of walking after Mm -hmm. meals. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember you put up a a study and I was like, you know what, I need to walk more after meals. So um, what I often do during the day is I'll eat and then uh, walk and then I'll come back, and then I'll I'll do go get back to work. So I'll take like a ten minute break and just do a walk around the block. Yeah, beautiful. Or sometimes if I need to, I'll schedule some stuff where I'm on the phone, but I'll eat before. So I always make sure to walk, and um, it's really helpful. Yeah, it's really helpful for your GI system. Um, constipation does really well with walking, mm-hmm. really really well. And the other thing I love about walking is that it acts as a sponge to like soak up all the glucose from your meal Mm -hmm. without the use of insulin. So your muscles after movement or during movement um, become insulin independent ways for glucose to be absorbed, which is great um, preventing prediabetes, diabetes, all metabolic. What what role does high blood sugar and uh, poor insulin usage in the Mm -hmm. body, right? Mm -hmm. Any resistance, how does that affect the gut microbiome? 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of research with type 2 diabetes that you can look at. Um, you know, the biggest thing, if somebody has type 2 diabetes and they come in, I'm going to say, you know, the, the chances that they have delayed gastric emptying, where they're not actually processing the food and it's not going into the small intestines soon enough, is, is a lot higher. Mm -hmm. um, so you can see a lot of GI disturbances in people that have insulin resistance or type 2 diet, full blown blown type 2 diabetes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I guarantee there's changes in the gut microbiome too. So I don't remember the study off the top of my head, but archimancia is, um, is a bacterial species. And uh, you can, I believe, give it to help with um, insulin resistance. But again, I don't want to quote that one there. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely alterations that happen in the microbiome with um, type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance. Um, what's interesting is that there's about, you know, a thousand genes in the liver that are affected by our gut microbes. To our and liver too. In our liver, yeah. So we have the gut-brain connection, but we have the gut-liver connection, and the liver is the source of like a lot of our metabolic activity. And so we know that there may be correlations with obesity, with the liver and the gut microbiome, because our gut microbes are turning on or turning off genes in the liver um, based on who's in our gut. Mm. Um, so it's it's fascinating the the possibilities with the gut microbiome, and you know this the research has been going on for years and years and years, and we still are just like skimming the surface as to what we incredible. Know about. I think twenty years from now we're going to see gut microbiome, one big control panel, all the species controlling our whole body, mm -hmm. the food we want to eat, the 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 mates that we choose, yeah. the things that we do. I think there it's way more implicated. I think we're just I think we're just human flesh bags controlled by microbiome by organisms by bacteria. They're calling the damn shots, and we think we are bacteria. Right. Well, I, yeah. I have I have a culmination of bacteria in my gut that wants me to be a podcaster. Yeah. And I was like, okay, bacteria. Oh, I'm so glad they chose that for yeah. you. And then for me, I'm like, oh, I'm such a I'm making autonomous decisions. I'm such yeah. an independent thinker. Lo and behold, it's just my damn species. Wouldn't that be funny? It's like a little like puppeteer of the it's bacteria a puppeteer. <laughs> just moving us around. And but you but this and to full circle it goes back to wisdom. Yeah. Right. Just because they are not um, genetically as complex as human beings, yeah. I, re I read years ago, the the more you go down the chain of complexity, the more wisdom goes up. Mm. So mm. once you get to the subatomic, the wisdom is highest. And then you yeah. get to you get to subatomic, subatomic particles, highest. So with that hmm. thinking, those bacteria are way smarter than us. They're way more wise for sure. Way more I wise. I mean, they've made it, what did I say? Three billion yeah. years. Yeah. And the Earth made uh, 4.5 billion. We're only around for 300,000. Like, yeah. we got a lot. They probably learned something in those few billion years they were yeah. here without us. And, and we're on the verge of extinction after 100 years of just yeah, really poor decisions and toxins in our, oh, that man. are causing us to not even to are reproduce. Are we going to make it to 3 billion? Are we even going to so. make it? But guess who will? The damn bacteria. The bacteria will be here. Who's the smarter one? <laughs> That's true. I That's think true. we can I think we can close like that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love that. Uh, is there anything exciting that you're doing that you want to share or how people can find you? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, not as active as you, but I'm on Instagram, dr.maryparty. Pretty active. Pretty active. Um, writing a new gut health course, so be on the lookout for that to be 
coming around soon too. And then I have a gut health course already with one commune. So that's an overarching gut health course, um, which was like my brain dump. So onecommune.com, I think is the website there that you can find the gut health course on too. And what's Modern Med? Modern Med is my company, which I should talk about. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I have a telemedicine and in-person practice in Sherman Oaks. We all focus on integrative gut health treatments, IBS, IBD, Crohn's colitis, reflux, gastritis, Mm. um, as well as hormone replacements and all the other naturopathic things that we do. But yeah, it's www.modernmed.com, M-O-D-R-N-M-E-D.com, and free complimentary consults for people who aren't sure if naturopathic functional medicine is right for them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'd love to help you with your gut issues. Amazing. Yes. And go reach out to them. Anyone who DMs me and says, hey, doc, can I practice with you? I go, no, just go to Modern Med. (laughs) So, and that's how much I trust you and your work and your colleagues. So. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, number three. We're going for number four this year, later in the year. Yeah. We're going to talk about some groundbreaking stuff that's not even out yet. Yes. It will come out this year, though. Um, but thank you for for dropping that wisdom on all things gut, all things mental health, and really just some stuff that we haven't heard yet. I know I some things are new to me and the audience, and um, it's a pleasure having you here, Doc Mary, one of my best friends. Amen to you. Oh, thanks, bud. I love you. I love you. All right, what an amazing show with Dr. Mary. As always, rate, review, subscribe. If you ain't never done it, please support the show and do that. And homework for today, send the show to one person who's never heard the show. That's it. And it can change their life. Whoever needs it the most, send it to that person in hopes of changing their life. Get them to listen and let's expand this community. Love you all.